Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from April 14th, 2019, Palm Sunday, titled, Can You Keep a Secret?, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 37 through 40. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours in Christ Jesus our triumphant, our arrived Savior. Uh, Amen. So um, I don't have an outline written for you today, so don't worry. I I don't have to make anybody feel guilty about not taking notes. So, uh, But we got some points up here that I want to share with you about this because I want to keep it uh, a wonderful uh, celebration. And uh, I want to introduce it. I want to dim the lights so we can see this well. And and I want to show you this uh, video. It's by the skit guys. I like it. I think it gives some good insight sets the stage for what we're doing. Okay, let me get this out of the way. I didn't steal that donkey, okay? I, I borrowed it. And, and it wasn't even my idea. Jesus told me to take it, to, to, to borrow it, right? Um, okay, this is, this is how it happened. Um, Earlier today, there was a large group of us, and we were traveling from Bethany to Jerusalem. We stopped just outside the city, and Jesus looked at two of us, and he said there was an unridden donkey just inside the village and asked us to go get it. He said if anybody, you know, asked us about it, we could just look at him and say, the Lord needs it, and he'll send it back. So the two of us beat it into town, and the whole time we were like, what is Jesus going to do with a donkey, right? But... By this point, we realized you don't second-guess Jesus, right? He hadn't told us why, and we didn't ask. We just got him a donkey. And when we got back, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, when it, uh, that's when it happened. Um, some people put their coats on the donkey, and Jesus got on the donkey. And... Um, <laughs> When he got on the donkey, (sighs) I don't know, it's like um, everyone started shouting and dancing and singing and um, some people were throwing their coats in front of the donkey. There there was was, uh, some of us that grabbed some palm branches and we started waving them in the air and that's when it clicked. Jesus had finally arrived. Um, I know that sounds weird. That's it. no. It's it's like this. Um, in the past, we would get excited because Jesus would do something, a miracle, or he there would be some parable or something. He said we'd get excited about it, and Jesus would always be like, "Shh, come on, guys. No, 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 nope. Just be quiet. You know." And then we'd come up with some idea. Hey, let's do this or let's do that. And Jesus would, would be like, no, guys, no, not, not now. Not now. But today, 
today was now. Today, he finally let us shout and sing and dance and treat him like the Messiah that we'd all been waiting for. He finally showed up. <laughs> ah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Um, it feels like it's something big, but who knows, you know? But it doesn't matter what happens because Jesus showed up. And there, <laughs> there's nothing better than when Jesus shows up. <laughs>I love that. There's nothing better than when Jesus shows up. So are you, uh, are you good at keeping secrets? Are you good secret keepers? It's hard with kids sometimes, isn't it? You know, you might have a special present or something that you have. But I even think back through history. I wonder how people were with keeping secrets, like really big ones, you know? Like all the way back in history, like remember the story of the Trojan horse, you know, where... We're going to give them this present, but we're going to hide a bunch of dudes inside there that are going to... I, what if somebody was giggling while they were loading up, you know, and they couldn't keep the secret very well? Or, um, or even, you know, we think about, if you, if you are a student of U.S. history in World War II, all the, the, the invasion of Europe on D-Day, I mean, it was couched in just tremendous amount of secrecy, and, uh, and the, the Nazi armies never did figure out where exactly they would land. Boy, that was quite a secret that they were able to keep. Or even with people, the president during World War II, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, many, many Americans, for example, never knew that he had polio and could not walk and that he, he spent really his adult life in a wheelchair. Um, and, and they hid that from the American public so that he would not appear, appear weak. Isn't that interesting how thoughts have changed on that? Um, or, or other secrets even that we think about. You know what's a couple of the, of the most significant secrets in American corporate history? Is the uh, recipe for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, or the formula for Coca-Cola. Among the most heavily guarded uh, secrets ever. Or, um, or I'm a fan, as you may know, uh, my guilty pleasure, I watch The Walking Dead. Uh, Sherry, would you like to know? <laughs> you know, uh, they, with all these cliffhangers, and the scripts are among the most highly guarded, in, you know, institutional secrets. What the next plot twist is, and who might die next. Is this you know, from TV shows and cliffhangers and movies, what's the next movie plot? Um, those kinds of secrets. And so as I looked at this, I loved this video because I think what he's sharing is, as he's portraying a disciple is Jesus does, along the way, say to his disciples, now, shh, don't talk about this. Over and over and over. I printed it for you, one of them. What's the next slide there? Um, Heather, so... He says, Peter says to Jesus, you're the Messiah. Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Jesus says, great. Now don't tell anyone. And you know, if you're a disciple, you must be going, why? And so repeatedly, he heals people. 
He casts out demons, and repeatedly Jesus will say, don't tell anyone. And for us, we sit there and think, that is so bizarre, because what we imagine Jesus wanting us to say is tell everyone. And so what's the point of this? What's the point of the secret? In fact, theologians have studied this, and it's called the messianic secret. Jesus tells them, don't tell anyone. Shush. So here's the thing. When you think about secrets, there are bad secrets and there are good secrets, aren't there? There are the kind of secrets that we keep, and I'll be serious with you here, they're secrets because we're ashamed or we're embarrassed or we're filled with guilt or maybe we have in fact violated or done something that we are embarrassed by and so we're not excited for people to know that sometimes even families keep secrets and I'll tell you one I, I, this happened before I was born I have two older brothers they're 10 and 12 years older than me and um, they had the hor horrific experience of watching their grandfather uh, take his own life in the backyard. And my parents told them they did not see it, that it did not happen. And they lived with that family secret filled with guilt and shame because my parents were so ashamed uh, that that would happen in our family. And I'm guessing that some of you may have some of you can relate to that. And so living with that kind of secret is a, is a hard, hard burden to bear. And I want to tell you this, that even though I don't deal with it directly today, on Friday we will. On Friday we're going to deal with those secrets because Jesus will deal with them. Because there's nothing that Jesus has not already known and has not already wept over and has not already forgiven. But today, I want to talk about a different kind of secret. You know the secrets, the secrets that are filled with anticipation, the things where you're planning and plotting and you're looking forward to surprise somebody and give them joy, and it might be a child at Christmas or your spouse. And I did learn early in my marriage not to surprise my wife, <laughs> unless it was jewelry on Christmas. But we were married not very long, and I must have, I planned for months to do this trip. We were going to do a trip. Everybody was sworn to secrecy. She didn't know anything about it. We were going for several nights. And I packed the bags. That was my mistake. <laughs> I needed assistance in that area. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any money. You saved and saved and saved. And I was so excited. And it still was filled with great joy. But I did learn that my wife very gently said to me, I would love to help you plan this in the future. <laughs> Uh, but it was still, it's great, isn't it? You know, and, and I've done that at Christmas with certain presents with her. And you plot, and you plan, and, and it all has to come together just right. Maybe it's a certain family member, or it's a joy when you can surprise and bring your kids home from college, or you can give a gift, and those are filled with anticipation and delight, aren't they? And sometimes the timing has to be just right for it to work out. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. And so what I want to do on this Palm Sunday is to celebrate for you a little bit and then anticipate what is to come. Because the four things that make this the right, the right time is because this is why Jesus keeps the secret. Jesus now says no more secrets. 
No more secrets. You want to know who I am? This is who I am. I am the one that was promised. I am the Messiah. I am the one who is received. I love this because he's not telling anyone, shush, shush, shush. Don't say that. Don't say that Hosanna thing. Don't say those words that are associated with the Messiah. Don't say that. He's going, bring it on. Keep talking. And in fact, when the religious leaders come up to him and they go, Jesus, tell your followers to shut up. He says, rebuke them. I love this. And forgive me, this is a bad pun. But he says, even the stones will cry out. Wouldn't that be great if the Rolling Stones confessed Jesus as their Lord? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a thing? And now, but more seriously, even this rock-hard stone might cry out and confess my Savior. This heart that's kind of stony sometimes, and Jesus transforms. Even the stones will cry out that Jesus is Lord. There are no secrets. Why? Why does Jesus receive, reveal the secret? There's four things. It's the right time. It's the right place. It's the right mission. And Jesus is the right one. Okay? So here's the first thing. It's the right time. I could talk about all kinds of things in history. That with the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, international travel, they could speak multiple languages. There was a common universal language called Koine Greek, which they spoke. These were not illiterate men. Even these fishermen, these blue-collar workers, spoke a minimum of three languages. Right? How we do in America. Right? Um, these were, this was a time of great literacy. This is a time of great uh, commerce and travel. I mean, we could talk all about that. But the reason, especially, it is the right time. This is the moment of the Passover lamb. This is the moment in which the blood of a spotless and perfect lamb will protect the hearts of the faithful and those who believe from the angel of death. This is the time of the scapegoat, when the scapegoat upon whose all the sins of the people was placed and cast into the wilderness. This is the time of fulfillment when John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, says to him, Behold, that man right there, that is the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. It's that time. And Jesus comes as the Passover lamb. The second thing is it's the right place. There are many places on the globe. And in all places, Jesus' grace and love and mercy applies. But in this particular place, God himself chose as ground zero. That this was the place where God would enact the redemption of the world. In fact, buried deeply into, into Israel, into Jewish history, is the story of Abraham and his one and only son, who he loved, Isaac, who God commanded him to take to a mountain and to sacrifice him. A horrifying command, which God knew he would not fulfill because he knew that Abraham was faithful, just as he knew his own son would be faithful. And so on that moment where God stayed the hand of Abraham from taking his one and only son whom he loved, Jewish history and Christian history says on that same mountain was also crucified the Lord of glory, the one and only Son of God. And in that moment, God's hand was not stayed. And God gave of himself that we might know and we might be saved. It is the right place. It is the place of redemption. The third thing is, it's the right mission. Throughout human history, 
It has been of exceedingly great value to rejoice in the history of peoples and cultures and people groups who have sought after freedom, who have sought after the ability to express themselves, to share their opinions and thoughts freely, for the freedom to learn, for a political system in which all people have voice and right, for the, re, uh, for the elimination of slavery and of racism and of discrimination. Those are wonderful and valuable things to pursue. Those can be called missions, and they are of great value. But this, my friends, was the mission that trumps all missions. For this is the mission that Jesus came to restore a broken and fallen world and a broken and fallen people into peace with God, back into union with God that they might know his blessing and the joy which God has intended for each of us from the, before the foundation of time. It is that mission which trumps all missions. And it was the mission of Christ as he enters into Jerusalem. And he is the right one. I think about this when you, you think about different ministries. I was just at, uh, at uh, Concordia University in Portland where, um, where I graduated from, went to school, and... Uh, to whom I owe my salvation, I believe. God put teachers and, and students there who brought me back to Christ. And I have a debt there I cannot ever repay. Um, and we had a president there. That, that institution has only had four presidents in over 110 years of history. Only four presidents. So they have had presidents who have served long and well. So the president who served when I graduated had been there over 35 years. And the, this, uh, over 30, he was 31 years. The, this president that just retired, 35 years, those last two men. And I thought to myself, wow, the institution has grown and changed and it's been expanded. When I was there, it was about 1,000 students. Now it's 5,000 students. And their goal is to go to 18,000 students, most online. But they have these tremendous goals and they've expanded and they've done these things. And that was over 66 years of service between those two presidents. And then I thought to myself, wow, I've had the privilege to be a pastor since 1995, so 23 years. The last 12 have been here. And some neat things God has blessed us with the opportunity to do. Expanding our ministry in the school, adding the high school, and bringing on staff, and doing some cool things in our ministry. I'm 12 years in. And uh, in my time here, Jesus Christ, his ministry, three years. Three years was yesterday for me. I mean, I can't believe it. Can you believe it? And that's not the most astounding fact. In a three-year public ministry from a backwater community of an unknown province, in, a pain in the rear province in the Roman Empire, comes a, a penniless rabbi who comes in with a group of followers who are nobodies and today more people on the planet confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord than any other uh, faith in the, in the world. It makes no sense. It is, and the man was executed. And so, and that's not only it, a professor at Lehigh University did a study on this. He's a, he was a statistics professor. He said, you know, there are prophecies about people. He says, let's take eight prophecies. What if there was eight prophecies? And so he says, um, he says uh, what would it be, how, what would be the likelihood 
of eight prophecies separated by a gap of 100 years, minimum of 100 years, what would that be to be fulfilled in a person? What would be the chances of eight prophecies coming together in one? And he did the data on it, the statistics, and he said it would be one in 1,000 trillion. I don't know that number, but I looked it up. One in 1,000 trillion. And then he said, what if, he speculated, there are 48 prophecies that it appears, it looks like to Christians, come true in Jesus of Nazareth, where he was born, his parentage, where he uh, lived in his youth, who came to visit him, where he died, manner of his death, on and on and on. 48 prophecies. What would be the chance of all of those prophecies coming true in one man? And most of those prophecies happened 700 to 900 years before his birth. What would be the chances? He did ran the numbers. One times in 10 to the 157th power. Okay, so that's 150 zeros behind it. You would have to be struck by lightning three million times. Okay? You would have to be struck by lightning 300 three, three million times in order to achieve that. Now, does that prove that Jesus is in a subset of one? I don't know that it proves it, but it speaks strongly to me. Now, those things are just silly that I told you. Not silly. But let me tell you what matters more. Jesus is in a subset of one because he is the only one who is able and he is the only one who is willing and he was also the one who was passionate for you. This is why it's the right time and this is why it's right to celebrate. It's right to celebrate because just like when you're putting together a great secret, sometimes all the ingredients have to come together. It's like baking a fantastic, beautiful cake you put together a cake and you better have the right ingredients. And in some cases, you better put them in the right order. And in some cases, you need to let that rise or sit or be here. And then you better follow the instructions and do the timing. And then your stove better be the right temperature. And you better leave it in the right amount of time. And then you better be able to serve it when the guests are ready to eat it. And that's what Jesus Christ has done here on this celebration day. He said, hold, don't tell. The cake's not done yet. And when it's ready, we're going to cut it and give a piece to everyone. And everyone can celebrate what I have done and what I will do on a cross and in an empty tomb. So here's the purpose. In light of what's coming up, what's going to happen here in the next few days, because this is the most holy of weeks for Christians, on this Thursday, Jesus will institute a meal which we will celebrate today and remind them that he is the Passover lamb. But on the next day, at the cross, Jesus is going to remind us, the cross is not meant to destroy you. The cross is meant to lift you up. And so I challenge you and I encourage you, please consider coming to Good Friday service at 8 o'clock this Friday. Because it's, it's the, it's, Easter is only half without Good Friday. To see the darkness and then experience the light. And so on that Good Friday, the message is because in the, in the darkness and in the light of the cross, it can overwhelm you. To contemplate that it was my sins that put him on the cross can overwhelm me and lead me almost to despair. And Jesus has this day to remind you that it is not meant to, to have you despair, but to lift you up.
and to lift your eyes to your Savior. And but then secondly, and then we get to Easter. And I laugh about this one because I'm going to tell you this story. I may have told it to you before. My best friend in the world, my Italian friend from New York, when he got married, invited Teresa and me to come to the wedding. And he said, hey, come to the reception. It's great. So we traveled from Portland, went to the reception. And we go to the reception, and I couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. So we walk in there, and they had three stations, and one was all... all uh, Italian stuff, right? Antipasto and prosciutto and cold cuts and cheeses was phenomenal. And then there's another station, and it's all um, it's all uh, seafood and so forth. They're Sicilian, so lots of seafood and lobster tails and crab and mussels and scal all, all kinds of things. And then the third one was meat, and they were carving off the bone slabs of prime rib and filet mignon. And and I'm here with both. I got like plates running up and down my arms. <laughs> And I've got a drink in my pocket, you know, and I'm like, I, and he, he, I say to his brother, because the bride and groom show, I said, I cannot, this is the best reception I have ever, I was in ecstasy. And he looks at me and he goes, these are the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> and they opened up, he showed me, went there, opened the door and I got a peek in, 300 fully plated, completely set, china glass, and there were seven courses yet to come. He said, you thought this was the party? He said, that, my friend, is the party. And he said this, because the real party doesn't happen till the bride and groom show up. And so God has blessed us in that he has shown up. And he has shown up for you. To God be the glory, now and always. Amen. Hey everyone, just a reminder that this is Holy Week, so we have some special services coming up on Thursday, April 18th at 7pm. We will be remembering Maundy Thursday, Jesus in the Upper Room. And on Friday, April 19th at noon and 8, we will be having our Good Friday services. 8pm will be the Tenebrae service. And on Easter Sunday, we will have four different services, one at 6.30 a.m. off-site for the sunrise service. Please call the church office for details. And on-site at 8, 9.30, and 11. We hope to see you there.